So you're the son of musical icons Cher and Greg Ullman, and you picked up a guitar after Gene Simmons gave you your first get, leading you to go on tour with your mum at around the age of 13. You form a band that has just the right elements of industrial metal and synthwave, with comparisons to Orgy and Nine Inch Nails. You have huge support from big names in the new metal scene at the time, Jonathan Davis, Fred Durst, Jay Gordon, and you play one of the most renowned new metal festivals at the time. That would be 2001's edition of the Family Values Tour. Steven Spielberg's DreamWorks group take an interest in your band, and Davis has an imprint, Elementary Records, that release your sophomoric effort. So on my birthday, the 14th of May in 2002, amongst all the pomp and pageantry that is the gift of Benji. Drink it in, man. Uh, Dead Sea release commencement, and it receives middling response, both commercially and critically. Some comparing it to a high-concept art prank, others that it boasted a sound that was at the time dead on arrival. What I've just described to you there is the album cycle of Dead Sea's Commencement, a band that had an incredible aesthetic and predated My Chemical Romance's private school chic by a good number of years, and the new rave movement by a, a fraction less. Now, Commencement had all the ingredients that should have made a watershed moment in the metal community, and despite their cult following, the overall feeling about its release was, well, disappointment. Not since Zwan at the time had a band received a huge swell of support and coverage, ultimately for it to collapse no sooner than it began. I mean, that's not to say that Dead Sea stopped, they released one final album in 2006, which was held up due to label complications from its original 2004 release date, but Commencement did them no favours, and I mean, Elementary Records finished shortly after their release, so that's not exactly a brilliant omen by any means. And yet you can watch interviews with Elijah Blue, the protagonist of this story, and he has no regrets. He even discusses about the idea of success and how it can be measured subjectively, and that Blue released an album to such fanfare is in itself a merit of success. But boy, did that fanfare seem to indicate this was going to be the next big thing. In your experience, Reese, was there any bands that had the same sort of fanfare leading up to a release, only for it to be a disappointment that you can remember? Maybe Down the Sun, or Downer, or the conveyor belts of bands Roadrunner signed to one album deals in the OOs? When you're thinking disappointments... <laughs> apart, from, apart from me, when I was born... But <laughs> yeah, every time I look in the mirror, no, when you think of disappointments, the word Lulu just punches you right in the face, in the scrot, in the gut. I'm pretty sure that Maeve will, will argue, you know, until the cows come home and, you know, the down the sun goes down, uh, that Lulu is in fact one of the most brilliant art projects that was ever created. I don't believe it. I just think it was kind of like, oh, and and this is probably the part where we get cancelled. I thought Lulu was just a bunch of Basqua owning over the top rock and roll stars wanted to do something with their icon who turned out to be just a rambling old man. Otherwise known as Lou Reed and Metallica. Um, yeah, there was, there was a couple in New Zealand 
there was a band called the tuts they did a song called k which was like hugely popular on the bnet and then they released an album and the album didn't quite live up to the fanfare of the single um crazy town's probably another good example of that yeah, as that's a great well example. where uh they had all of this industry insiders saying these guys are going to be the next Red Hot Chili Peppers, apart from borrowing from the Red Hot Chili Peppers, liberally, might I add. Uh, and then the album came out and it was just a, a one-song pony. It was really sad, though, because you take a look at like everything pre-commencement and it was all of this hype behind them. I mean, like they, they opened for some big names didn't they they opened for deftones dredge taproot nearly episode 50 we're nearly there benji we're nearly there corn dredge are on spotify by the way leap motive are they yeah fucking it holds up it is a gr- i thrashed that album and it holds up and it's really it's good uh they open for corn puddle of mud dog fashion disco who i always used to confuse with new zealand band the dhdfds uh, and yeah, they they were a, a perfect opening band. They kind of brought excitement and hype. But do you think that perhaps that was their glass ceiling, just being an opener rather than kind of a headliner? So, look, just to strip it right back, this episode will be really different from the other ones because this is the first ever Baccio Death Trip where I didn't know anything about the band i didn't know what they looked like i didn't know what they sounded like i didn't know what the album was i didn't know when it was released i i don't even know why you picked it i don't know if you like them i don't know if if the stories behind them are interesting i have zero idea like i was just like all right let's let's do this experiment and so yeah i went in with uh an open mind on this like i went in like a child i just went i have no idea i'm not going to research you tried to talk to me about it before and i was like no 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 let me just listen no, you wouldn't let me. You would not let me. Uh, yeah, so I listened through the album. Unequivocally, the worst piece of shit fucking band I've <laughs> ever heard in my goddamn life. That is no exaggeration. I've been racking my brain for the last week. Name a worst band. I cannot think of one. I honestly cannot. I couldn't even think of anything that was, like, redeeming about the band. I could not even see why anyone would fucking like them. Every single element of this band was a steaming pile of dog shit. And Elijah Blue's solo work is still fucking rubbish. Not good. Not at all. Horrendous. Nothing on this album was good. In fact, listeners, I challenge you to do the 10-second challenge. 10 seconds of each song. If you can get past that, you're a better person than me. Why did I pick it, Reese? Because... I knew that you wouldn't like it because it's not a very good album. There was like one or two tracks on there, but they just... Not even. No, 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 man. I think Key to Gravity Park had some merit, but it got really boring really quick. And the importance why I chose this for this episode, not too long after the Nickelback episode, is to demonstrate that in Nickelback, we made an argument that being formulaic and and having no kind of support from a community, but yet they've done really well. You know, we we mentioned how Nickelback were the minnows and got picked on and stuff like that. And then we moved over to this, this episode about Dead Sea regarding a band that had a whole bunch of kind of insiders, a whole bunch of momentum going into... Not not just commencement, but like the album before it as well. I mean, they got signed to Sire Records by Seymour Stein, didn't they? 
Yeah, I met that prick too. He sucked. When I met him, he sucked. I know he's probably a great guy and he's avant-garde and he, you know, he signed what Madonna, the Ramones, Talking Heads, the Smiths. He's behind a lot of great music and incredibly influential. But the dinner I had with him and the show I went to with him, he sucked. And he said that he knew of every band in China. Of one of the biggest countries in the world, he knew of every single band. Every band, Seymour? Yep, every band. I've, I've seen them all, I've heard them all. And he had a nap during our set and then he left. <laughs> <laughs> that seems more personal than objective. <laughs> but yeah, they had Jonathan Davis vouch for them. They had Jay Baumgartner, uh, producer to the stars, producer to the um, red cap backwards wearing star, should I say, uh, involved with the album. They did family values tour we've we mentioned all the bands that they opened up for they did it twice yeah they, they did 2006 uh as well and then the album came out and then it was just oh what the fuck and that's the point of this episode you've got a band like nickelback that got shit on just because they weren't cool and yet they've been successful doing it and now you've got a band like dead sea who did look cool and had all that fanfare and just absolutely sucked but yet they, it seemed like they got a fucking free pass from a lot of people as opposed to Nickelback just being critically maligned all the time. Yeah, we're doing Wilhaven next week. So I was watching a Wilhaven documentary and even the Wilhaven guitarist made a joke. He's like, yeah, we're not formulaic. We're not like Nickelback. And I was like, come on, bro. Pile on Deadsy because, look, Elijah Blue, I'm going to say it, probably a pretty privileged upbringing. Yes, maybe not connected to mom or dad through touring and, and I think he was shipped away to boarding school and stuff. Dude's got a pretty hefty financial safety net, I'd imagine. Yeah, I would. Let's pile on that dude. He didn't have to borrow four grand just to make an EP like Chad Kroger did. Everything about this band is needless and superfluous and just fucking dog shit. Why? Why did so many new metal acts at the time jump onto them? Well, Jonathan Davis even, like, he heard one of their songs and was like, I can't get it out of my head. I've got to go around and around. I don't... I don't know. I'm honestly at a loss with this band. It's looking at reviews online. People are like, this is the greatest band ever. And a lot of people are like, this absolutely sucks. Like, I can't believe anyone would even think this is the greatest band ever. Like, or even this is a good band. It, it breaks my brain <laughs> straight down the middle. And that is a very well-educated brain if it's broken. The patron saint of this very show, Wayne Static, he went on record with Livewire uh, when they asked him what about some new acts that your fans should keep their eyes on. And he was very complimentary about Dead Sea, was he not? Yeah, I've got, I've got it here. Wayne, I'm always going off about this band called Dead Sea. They have one record out called Commencement. Actually, Cher's son Elijah is in the band. We did the Family Values tour with them and they opened up on that tour. And then we took them uh, on our tour as well. I don't even know how to describe it. It's like a, like the slow heaviness of typo negative and add a sprinkling of orgy on top of it. It's very melodic, lush, beautiful, yet brutally heavy at the same time. It's awesome shit. I do not get the fuck. Do you know what? They're not a threat. I've talked about this before with support bands. They're not a threat. Yeah. They're never going to come out and wow an audience like Static X, but they're going to kill 45 minutes for you and they're not going to complain because they're not desperate for cash. Yeah, and I, and I honestly don't understand where he's gotten this slow, heavy, typo, negative comment from. If anything, they're the, one of the most scathing reviews that I saw for, for Commencement 
was someone saying that it was just a poor man's flock of seagulls. Maybe they need to trade those haircuts <laughs> in. Because there is... Well, they got a song called Seagulls, don't there's they? A, there's like a huge synthwave element to it. I get the orgy part, but I think orgy were very unique. That uh, Much like Nine Inch Nails, orgy were doing their own thing. They borrowed a little bit from the industrial scene, but at the same time, they were basically doing their own kind of sound. They had their own kind of influences involved that were derivative. Is it unfair for me to make a comment that perhaps Dead Sea's big problem was that they were very derivative to Orgy? Like, we already had Orgy. We didn't need another band quite like that. And then Dead Sea came along. I think they predate Orgy, don't they? Because I remember something, someone saying something about that, that Orgy borrowed from them. Uh, uh, but Jay played bass on this album, I'm pretty sure, yeah? Yeah, he did. The worst bass tone I've ever heard as well. Yeah, you know what, Reese? Like, you've got a lot to talk about this album. Uh, it's been a good couple of episodes since I've heard a good old Bendigo rant. So I'm just going to... you Look at you, you're agitated. If, if this was a video call that people could see us on, they'd see you kind of twitching. You, you, yeah, yeah, yeah I'm twitching. I feel like, did you do some press-ups before we did this podcast? Because it seems like you've got a pump on. What's what's going on? I'm just going to sit back and enjoy this for a minute. And I, I encourage all the listeners to as well. So go on. Go on. Well, what I did was I threw my phone away and I sat down and I listened to the album and I recorded my honest initial reactions and then i've chopped them all up into like one and a half minutes so you can listen to my actual feelings in real time this is incredible reese on deadsy this is as close as i'm coming to like a youtube reaction video okay what the fuck yeah i'm not getting this bench already okay we're one verse in i'm not into this it's kind of like if orgy made love to godhead this is the album they would put on to to make love. Oh, they use a China symbol. The drummer's hands are too busy. It's too, like, wrist flicky. Nah, not into it. Oh, I reckon there's a bum note on that bass, too. Oh, at least the songs are short. Nope. Four minutes, 20, 4, 35, 4, 5, 5 minutes. Oh, these are all long-ass songs. Fuck. Seagulls. The song Seagulls is nearly six minutes. Oh, I'm missing my son's graduation for this. Ooh, I like the start to winners. I like that. Oh, they've ruined it. Nah, it's fucked. It's fucked. You had something, guys. You've, you've fucked it. They got delay on a drum kit? Oh, gross! Mind. No, no, no. This sucks. They're probably a live act first and foremost, and it just hasn't transitioned into the studio. Oh, <laughs> fuck. They have got delay on the snare. I fucking hate that bass tone. There is no bottom end to it. It's just fuzz without the guts. I'm going to feel so bad if Benji likes this album. Just listen to Typo Negative, everyone. Really? Maybe this whole band is a drum machine. Nah, it can't be. This shit would fly in Hobart. I reckon people in Tasmania would love this band. Oh, this fucking sucks. Mansion World sucks. The singing is too much. Too over the top. I know, it belongs in like a Rocky Horror Picture Show tribute show. Nah. Ah, this is not good. 
Oh, what the fuck is this drumming on Lake Waramaug? I think they're just using a room mic. That shitty bass tone is back. What is this? No, I'm out. That, that's it. That's the first skip. Lake Waramaug. I've got it. I've had enough. You know what, drummer? The, your hi-hats sound like shit. Nah. This drummer, I reckon, is making up on the spot. They're not as rehearsed as they should be. Oh, fuck. Oh, it's fucking 50 seconds long. This. I hate the popcorn-esque sounding arpeggiated keyboards. Do you know what? I think I've I figured it out. You have to be British to like this band. So not only are they boring, not only do they sound really bad, they're fucking pompous as well. So let's let's have a quick listen to Winners because Winners sort of goes into this nice padded out atmospheric bit and the drummer just can sit back and just fill a little bit of space, you know? Like that's that's all he needs to do. And then for some reason he throws in snares at like the wrong time to be a bit flashy and it totally takes you out of it. Not once, but fucking twice. And it's, it's painful. Just have a listen to this. this. Just sit with that. Just sit with that. Yeah. That's fine. Why there? Oh, that part, I hate it. I hate it so much. Because those tom rolls sound really, really nice. And so everything I, I said in that, that little clip was 100% wrong. Because I thought, like, they weren't prepared for the studio or they weren't ready. No, no, no. Elijah Blue said that they spent a month on a lot of songs. They spent a month on, like, there's a, there's a song called Le Cirque de something or other. Okay. He said they spent a month on that for all the sequencing. Let's just have a quick listen to what a month got them. One month of solid work on this song. Just have a listen. Ten seconds. That was 30 to 31 days. (laughs) Fucking hell. That, what a waste. What a waste of time. How the other half live. I know. If my mum was a famous pop star, it's like, what are you doing for a month? I'm just going to sit around and fuck this song up big time. It is so shit. And that Lake Waramug song or whatever it's called, that is not good either. I've got it here. Like, what is it? What is that sound? The bass is actually, like, I had to listen to it in different headphones just to try and get some bottom end. It sits in this weird-ass sort of frequency. Get some guts to it. it. It's just nothing there. And I thought, you know what? Maybe you're being too harsh, Reese. Everyone, you know, it's great. Everyone's got a project and some people seem to like them. And so I checked out Elijah Blue's sort of solo band. Okay. Elijah Blue and the Trapezoids, and I've got a little grab of Long Way Down, and he's doing the exact same fucking shit just without that bass sound and without the synth because he seems to add little bars for no reason. And then he, it feels like every time he goes into a chorus, it's like a beat early, like he's almost cutting himself off. 
some of the honest to God worst songwriting I have heard in my life. It's just busy and takes you out of the song at almost every opportunity. Every time they're onto something or Elijah's onto something, they just pull you right out of it and just fuck it up big time. And there's a whole like story behind the band. Like they've all got names and colors and symbols and shit. And so this fucking prick, as of August this year, August this year, he told the first ever podcast that they might have been like ahead of their time. Yeah. Yeah. So as of August this year, I've got a tiny grab on this. You know, the whole thing with us was always people were like, we know this thing is brilliant, but oh God, there's so many ifs and questions and are people going to understand it? And is it too ahead of its time and this and that? And they have this, have all this shit and these symbols in their own language and the, you know, understandable things in the context of the commerce of our business. Bro, 20 years later, we know that it's still dog shit. So at what point, how far ahead of your time are you? Are you 40, 50 years? Are you 100 years ahead of your time? It sucks. I don't know, man. I'm going to have to disagree with you on this one. And the reason being is that perhaps it was a bit of ahead of its time. You're looking at an era of music where the blogosphere didn't really exist. SoundCloud was just uh, something in some guy's German basement that he was making up, you know? (laughs) And, you know, the, the whole synthwave movement was still kind of viewed as this antiquated 80s kind of take on music you know it wasn't cool to listen to hall of notes or it wasn't cool to listen to uh ultravox or or a wave of other almost new romantic kind of uh, influenced synth wave bands you know if you were into synths then it was either typo negative or it was you know early kind of psych music that people would laugh at other people for listening to you know because caft hands and aren't hippies funny and stuff like that so i don't know if i necessarily agree with your comment that maybe 20 years later people would think that it's still shit i can see somewhat of an argument elijah makes about how it might have been ahead of its time now i'm not saying though that that would have led to like a huge commercial reappraisal i don't think it would lead to a huge critical appraisal all i would say is that it would lead to maybe a louder noise about how good dead z are because the echo chamber that we have fostered for ourselves through social platforms is there and has made everyone's voice incredibly louder so were they maybe ahead of their time yeah maybe i mean you look at how edm and synthwave and soundcloud and trap music has influenced a whole bunch of mainstream things now but the fucking way he comes across in that clip like oh i told you that we were way ahead of our time was like no 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 you you didn't know you know now but the reason why hindsight's 2020 is because it's no fucking use when it's there so yeah i i think that perhaps they were a little bit ahead of their time but oh i'm gonna disagree with your disagreement okay disagree with my disagreement bring it because i'm listening to it towards the end of 2021 
and it still sucked. And no point would that have been good in the last 20 years. But you've got bands who, like, like you said, that synthwave stuff is pretty popular, like Cosmos, Midnight, even Cut Copy, like 10 years ago. The Weeknd is huge with it at the moment. XX. People want it. Yeah, people want it. But XX were huge. I think they headlined Splendor more or less one year. Like, they, the, people want that music, but not from Deadsy. No. What you're saying is they, they would have benefited from social media and the internet. And that that's true. But a lot of bands would have benefited from having that sort of control of their own narrative and that the access, direct access to fans. That's not why they were ahead of their time. People just, they just weren't songs that would ever really connect with a wide range of people. Yeah, but what you're saying is that my argument is that if they had social media by their side, that they would be popular. And I'm not saying that. I'm saying that the the interest in Dead Sea amongst some very vocal fans would have been louder. But I'm also saying that with the genres of music that have come to the forefront 10 years after Commencement came out, there might have been a bit of a different audience for them. And I think it's also unfortunate that they had big names like Fred Durst and Jonathan Davis and Jay Gordon get involved because I think sometimes that hinders a band more than helps a band. If they're like, yeah, you guys are like the best band in the world, how is that going to resonate in the studio when you go in and you've been told, oh, we don't have to change anything. All of our music is shit hot. I mean, they had Jay Baumgartner produce. Did he produce Reese or was he simply there to engineer? Yeah, you actually raise a really good point because when you research Deadsy, you kind of you, you hear Elementary Records, Jonathan Davis, Fred Durst. Fred Durst directed the terrible video for Key to Gramercy <laughs> Park. You, you hear Family Values, you hear Static X. You hear Elijah uh, Blue or Elijah Allman at that stage or whatever did. I think he sang on Push It. The, all those things, as sh- you, you obviously hear Cher's son, all those things come to the forefront. And never like, great songwriter, interesting band, concept band. It's just like, here are all the people that have attached themselves to this little project, yeah. their little pet project, uh, like trying to grow sea monkeys almost in a little fish tank. That's what Dead Sea probably were to a lot of these bands. Now, I think they're friends with people and I, I really... Elijah strikes me as the kind of guy who would listen to this and then write me a nasty email. Look, all I'm saying is you're not a good songwriter. <laughs> That's it. He, he, that he's gonna come after us with that share money, isn't he? And certainly he's not gonna come after us with that Dency money, is he? To, to to that to my ears, to Benji's ears, allegedly not great. And I've got my fingers crossed. You can't sue me. International waters. Podcasting is international waters. You heard it here first. Can I give you a quote from uh, Philip Exeter Blue, a.k.a. Elijah Blue, a.k.a. Elijah Orman? Can I give you a quote about oh, why he felt, about if he felt stifled because music was different to the other bands in the industry at that time? Oh, please. There we go. Right. Please lay it <clears> on me. Yo, we don't sound like any other band. People in the industry are afraid of we're not going to fit into the <laughs> formats. There's just that big fear, like, we know this band's great. We know the kids love them, but will they ever be accepted? So now I think, here's how it goes. We've been around long enough to info- to where uh, we hear our sound and so many things that it's finally, like, validated. We've influenced our own peers from Los Angeles 
Plus, I think it's wherever things are, the with the Interpols and the Killers and all of these different bands nowadays, there's that sort of real edgy thing we've always tried to touch on. That sort of uh, post-punk synthesizer sort of Sabbath stoner rock. We've been doing that for 11 years. Uh, when we started doing that, Grunge was just coming uh, to an end and new metal was just starting. Uh, we do what makes sense to us. We're not going to come in and do whatever trend to sure to win people over because the second that thing goes away, the band goes away too. Pompous? Big time. So just as you were saying that, I just quickly scribbled down some weird artists. Okay, right? yeah. So what? just one more time, what was that one line, if it doesn't fit into that mold or what, whatever it was? We don't sound like any other band. People in the industry are afraid that we're not going to fit into the formats. All right, here we go. Enya, Kate Bush, Fiona Apple, Polyphonic Spree, Dan Deacon, Dillinger Escape Plan, most things Mike Patton has done, even Lulu. Those are things that are pretty weird, uh, don't fit into, just off the top of my head, that don't fit into the typical sort of your Nickelback formulaic bands, if yeah. you will, yet popular because they wrote good songs. The latest Fiona Apple album got, what, 10 out of 10 on Pitchfork or a near-perfect score. It's a very weird album. Enya is just Enya. St. Vincent would be another one. They've got so many different – they've got so much different stuff going on. Bjork would be a great example. Bjork's people, a huge – People will still pay big money to see Bjork. And Deadsy are the ones that can't fit into the mold. It's like, no, no. Labels are kind of simple in a way. It's like if you can make them money, they'll work with you. Chris Brown would be a very good example of that. Dude should not have a career. No, really shouldn't. At all. But because he still has fans and he still makes money, labels will fuck with him. But Deadsy are the ones like, oh, we're, we're just not fitting in with that mold. It's like, yeah, because the mold is do you write songs that people actually like? <laughs> and no, you don't. Uh, have we got a game to play, Reese, just to lighten up the mood a bit? Yes, we do. I'm very, very proud of this game. Because I went into the Dead Sea album with an open mind and an almost childlike sense of wonder, you know, I was drawn into the cover and being like, how could something so terrible be produced, uh, you know, by be agreed upon by so many people and get out into the world? And how did this album make it on Spotify? And I was just like, wow, I was like a little kid. And I thought, you know what? I have access to one of the coolest kids in the world, a kid called D. Now, Dee is in their first year of primary school and we wish her all the best on her education journey. I've got her to describe five albums that you would know. Okay. And it's the first time she's seen them and you have to tell me which album she's describing. All right. Well, uh, in that case, then, let's see what Dee has to say. There is a person that has, that has wings, I think, and has red hair. And he's next to a tree. So he's got red hair and he's next to a tree. She thinks. A person. A person has red hair and they think that they're next to a tree. And, and what was it about wings? Did, did she say bless her? This person has wings and they're standing next to a tree with red hair. I, a, a part of me wants to say Antichrist Superstar by Marilyn Manson. Now, you have to ask yourself, would I show a... Five-year-old kid, Marilyn Manson's Antichrist Superstar cover. Um, red hair. Uh, 
Have we covered them on the show? We have. The Arch Enemy? I'm sorry. It is Cold Chambers Chamber Music. Oh, my God. Oh, man. She did, in fairness to D, she really did, really did conjure up a good image for that. If she hadn't mentioned the cello, she, it probably would have been even better, but she's done a great job. Yeah, but she did a great job there. All right. Next one. Come on, D. So there's a person that's made out of wood and has one eye, and I think it has a stitch mouth, and it has lots of lines on it, and it's a very um, lightish, whitish, yellowish color. Is it uh, one of the covers that Corn released for issues? Oh my god, he's done it! <laughs> she did really well there. There it is. You are right. Yes. Fantastic job. Well, it was one of four covers, wasn't it? But they chose that one as the predominant artwork. Such a clever campaign because it's like, hey, submit your album art so they get a bunch of different stuff. They don't have to pay graphic designers. Then it's like, I love the band. I want to collect all of them. So I'm going to have to buy four. I'm after they've just quadrupled their sales right there. Absolute genius, and including the fans. All right, next one. There is a rainbow coming out of a triangle, and a little white line coming out of the triangle, and the triangle's outline is blue. Right. So, did you show that girl the album art with the Dark Side of the Moon by Pink Floyd? Oh my God! Yes, I did. <laughs> <laughs> that is incredible. Are you like suddenly Jack Black from School of Rock? All right, we got you. You've really you're coming home strong here. No, it's it's not me, man. It's D. She's very descriptive. Second last one. There is a person on a star in space. And a person is wearing a dress and has curly hair. Is she describing Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness by Smashing Pumpkins? Get out! (laughs) Incredible! You know, I honestly, I thought that uh, she's done a better job than a lot of adults I know. It's like, oh, okay, can you describe the cover for me? Yeah, because I used to work in a music shop over the Christmas period, like... Oh yeah, I think it's uh, it's got a got a girl on the front, eh? And uh, she's in space, and it's definitely music. And then it turned out it was like, oh, he actually wanted a copy of Wonder Woman on DVD. So, <laughs> yeah. Well done, D. Look, I'm appreciate. Con D, help me out. Get me to that finish line. So there's a person that's holding out their hands. And it's a little bit white in the middle of their hands. And there's a little spiky round thing near their hand. Oh, mate. Come on, Benji, you got this. You got this. You know this. Uh, The only thing I can think at the moment regarding a a hand is uh, Sis Muffer Down's debut album. But I know it, it, it's not that. So uh, that's on me, D. That I, that's on me. You know, two out of four. I'm Let me show it to you, Benj. It's Taproot's gift. Oh, my Lord. Look, I'm going to say that was a huge success. Thank you so much, D. We really, really appreciate it. You made us look smart. Thank you. Some really, really good descriptive words. So thank you, D. I appreciate that. 
and you know i'm sorry i let you down with the the first one and the last one but you know that's on me i haven't got the childlike imagination that i used to speaking of childlike imaginations uh who have you blown thirty five thousand dollars on this week reese do you know do you have those ad campaigns in the uk where it's like all of like the companies get together and just be like eat pork and just like pork and then the ad is just like we don't care what company you eat just eat pork yeah it was like avocados bananas and they can just like it's like the the meeting of the five families it's like all right we've got bataki over here we've got the you know black and gold ham here it's like we just need people to eat ham so i reached out to sort of like a general industry and it's a great place for band photos uh and i was thinking about dead sea really needed some better band photos so they should have gone to this week's sponsor for $34,000. They've knocked off one grand because they're in a bit of crisis. It's kind of like a bit of a forgotten place to take band photos. But, uh, yeah, this week we're sponsored by Train Tracks. <laughs> Yo, if you need a band photo, yeah. but yeah. you're not sure where to go, yeah. we're yeah. about your death trip. Check. We've got one suggestion, yo. Here we Check go. It. True, true band photos at the train tracks. Media's got an agenda and we're taking it back. We're gonna stay, not gonna decay. That's why we've got our arms folded on these train tracks. Yeah, yeah. We're posing hard on these train tracks. They've been abandoned for years, so we ain't looking back. Uh, I found a stack of old pornos under a brick in a bag right near these goddamn fucking train tracks. So wear a hoodie that's black, pop a squat on the tracks. Like a cannonball in summer, we're gonna make a splash. On the scene in your dream, we've got a press photo that slaps. And it's all thanks to these motherfucking train tracks. True, true band photos at the train tracks. I think my friend's older brother used to jack off near these tracks. Probably did it in that bush over there. It's kind of gross, but I don't care, cause I'm on the fucking tracks, yeah. Choo-choo band photos on the train tracks We're a serious band, not a band full of hacks Why else would we be posing on these fucking train tracks? I don't care, that's where my friend's brother jacked off every day God damn, we just need a press photo, yo If you've got a better idea, I'd love to hear it, Brian Oh yeah, yeah, I, I know about that construction site Actually, that could look kind of cool, but... While we're here, we should we should get some photos on these goddamn fucking train tracks. Yeah, gotta look tough. Yeah, thank you. Fucking train tracks. Take a photo on them. Find some porno mags right next to the train tracks. You can put a coin um, on near the train and the, the, the bars will come down. It's a waste of taxpayers' money. So a huge shout out to train tracks. Get your band photos on the train tracks, guys. Squat on them. Look serious, look tough. Train tracks. I've got a, a couple of questions. Some of them are not music related, mm. but I'd like to ask them anyway. Okay. First of all, you are aware that God Bows to Math did a photo shoot by a set of train tracks. Everyone's right? done them. It's a rite of passage. Yeah, it's a rite of passage. Second of all, I don't understand why would you want to masturbate in a bush by a set of train tracks? What What is that all about? Now, the pornography strewn about all around the area. I get that because back in the day, that's how we had access to a bit of filth was whatever dirty blue jazz mag was <laughs> like thrown near a near jazz a mag. near a park or water or stuff like that. 
But I don't get the appeal. Why would you want to masturbate in a bush by train tracks? Uh, I think after you hear this on glycerine, it just <laughs> feels right. Oh, no, I get, I get that. No, uh, I stand corrected. I completely stand corrected, you know. <laughs> Whenever that song, it's like sleeper agents when it comes to that song. Once that song plays, it's like, you know, getting it out and bashing it <laughs> off, you know. It's an epidemic. <laughs> but you wouldn't you wouldn't get it out and jerk off to, to Deadsy's commencement in a bush oh, by train tracks. Try and get correct? up to Deadsy. That's my challenge. There, there you go. <laughs> it's the ultimate cure to premature ejaculation, I reckon. Chuck it on. Uh, yeah, th- that porno magni, the train tracks was a real thing. I found we were hanging out yeah. near train. We just hang out near train tracks before band photos were even, you know, on our minds. And there was just like a, a shopping bag full of just porno mags that a guy just hidden under a brick. Uh, I don't know why they would go there. I don't know if their mum was searching their stuff. I don't know, but uh, God bless them. God, absolutely God bless them. It's, 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 a, it's a dead art. That is a dead scene now. No one is doing that it's anymore. A, it's a 100% dead scene. I remember that in... Mount Ross School, I was in primary school and uh, we had a park over the road that had like a massive kind of, I, I think it it was where rainwater would just kind of like go down. It's, it's weird, you know, it was like we always used to like paddle in this fucking area of like just filth because we knew no better, you know, it's not a sewage outlet. Hey, you want to go paddle in the as, filth? May as, may as well have been, eh? Oh, I want to go paddle in the filth, bro. Yeah, that was me. But uh, next to it... Out of the filth, that is the ultimate, like, where's Scantlin, Danny filth mashup I want to see. Well, it is Christmas coming up soon. <laughs> but yeah, there was there was just, like, a whole bunch of, like, pawns screwing about. And it was like... And I'm not going to lie to you, Reese. I was of, of an age where it's like, I know I should be into this, but I don't understand what I'm meant to do now I have it. <laughs> do I look at it or what? And then many, many years later, it, I, I realized, oh, okay, that's that's how it works, you know. But, you know, if, you, if you've gained more entertainment, listen to me and Reese talk about the halcyon days of porn found in various uh, places of disrepute, more than we have spoken about Dead Sea, you're probably not alone. Was there any merit to this album? I mean, like, have you, you seem to be a man who can figure out the way that bands write music so have you figured out the way dead sea have uh dead sea's approach to songwriting oh have i what do you want to step into the kitchen <laughs> hi there welcome to the butcher death trip cooking show for another week well don't be shy come on in we're about to cook up a tasty snack for you something quick and easy Cooking show with your dog, Rat Prick Host Reese. G'day, guys, and thanks again for joining us on another episode of Butchio Cooking. I'm your host, Big Riggs Reese, and it's great to have you here. Do you remember those days when you'd come home and no one would be there? Your mum and dad were at their weekly swingers party, and your sister was at basketball practice, and you think, well, I'm really hungry. I might cook up a quick snack. Now, you didn't have the time to get some Orgy or some Smiths or even some My Chemical Romance. No, 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 no time for that. You want to get something nice, quick and easy. So you cook up some Dead Sea. Well, I'm going to show you how we used to do it back in 1999. The first thing you're going to need is some slightly fuzzed out electronic beats. 
Not too fast because we don't want people dancing, but not too slow because we don't want people to relax. Just somewhere nice and in the middle. You know, nice and irritating. Something like this should do. Now, did you hear how that beat didn't go anywhere? We don't want it to go too fast and we don't want it to go too slow. Just nice and sort of meandering almost. Uh, boring, if you will. We don't want too much excitement in our Dead Sea mix. No, 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 we don't want that. So once you've got that nice fuzzy layer of boring drums, what you want to do then is just get some droning keys. Some, something, you know, just like this, like an F to an E minor, something like that. Mmm. Delicious. <laughs> it's bringing back some memories for sure. It's actually probably a bit more exciting than Dead Sea usually are. So once you've got the keys, and these are sounding pretty good, what you want to do is add some bass. Now, you don't want any bass that sounds good. You want, just, just plug a guitar into your Scarlet sort of interface, put it through GarageBand. It can sound fuzzy and weak. It doesn't really need to have oomph, remember? With Dead Sea, we want it nice and light and fluffy. Nothing that really sits in the guts. Nothing with any real impact. Something like this would be fine. Now, where a lot of people go wrong when they're making a Dead Sea track is they make it too meaty. No, no, no. You do not want to fill up on Dead Sea. It's a snack. It's a light refreshment to prepare your palate for My Bloody Valentine or David Bowie, Jesus and Mary Chain, something like that. So do not make that bass too meaty. Now, the real cherry on top, the thing that separates Dead Sea from the rest of the other snacks you might have is that they have some lead played on a synth or keyboard, whatever you want, and they always just hit the pitch bend. Just make a really interesting lead sound silly and unstable. Something like this will be just fine. So once you've got all of those layers working together like a trifle, don't think too much about the lyrics. Make sure they're sort of pompous, if you will, faux romantic. But I'm just going to read this synopsis from the 1993 movie Hocus Pocus starring Bette Midler, Sarah Jessica Parker oh and Kathy Jimmy. And I'm sure you'll find it tastes just like the Dead Sea you used to love when you were young. Enjoy. Sounds like Interpol. You get the idea. I actually couldn't make a song as boring as Dead Z. Like, even that is a little bit too much. Like, oh, things are going on there. Like, I added some guitar lead, like, just in the very, very distance there. I, I, I just couldn't do it. 
uh, you know, I was, I was hitting the same joke over and over again. They're weak and there is no substance to them. Right, before we finish <laughs> off the, uh, before we close out the show, just a bit of reader's email here. Uh, I got an email here from Krusty Guy Dunedin 42. Uh, I did not recall Dead Sea ever releasing an album called Commencement. Uh, I believe he's incorrect. He's actually thinking of the band The Dead Sea rather than Dead Sea. Uh, both as bad as each other. And another one here saying, more of D, please. More of D. Jeez, getting listener emails before the show's been released is incredible. That is, we are ahead of our time. You know what, Elijah Oh, Blue? definitely. We are definitely ahead of our time. We're definitely not a podcast du jour. On the next episode of Batcho Death Trip, we'll be talking about something a bit more favorable in me and Reese's books, that is uh, Will Haven's album Carpe Diem. Yeah, that's going to be an, an interesting one, I think. Oh, they are a very, very, very hard band to sort of research and find information on. But, uh, you know, you're really inspiring people to return to listen to that episode. Oh, right? look, <laughs> come on back, everybody. You don't like it? Fuck off. Go listen to Dead Sea or The Dead Sea. Don't come after us, Elijah. We're just innocent people. Uh, to be fair, I tried to defend him in terms of his music was a little bit too forward-thinking. For the- if anything, let's do what we normally do and blame it on the character Fred Durst rather than the man Fred Durst. Yeah, look, honestly, it is. I cannot think of a band that I have... A worse band. I honestly cannot think of a worse band that I've ever heard. That That's not... There's no hyperbole there. That is literally, I, I've been racking my brain. A worse band I cannot think of. But look, we like to end the show with a bit of financial advice. And Jamie Kennedy did post on his Instagram sort of recently. Anyone who tells you crypto is a scam, please send them over here. And that was to his Instagram, the, the Jamie Kennedy. Uh, you should definitely take all your financial needs from me because I'm in no way in the banking industry. So I feel like that's an honest thing. He, he he doesn't have a dog in the fight. No vested interest. Go to Jamie Kendi, learn about crypto. Uh, the, the thumbnail for that is titled, The Whole Financial System is a Ponzi Scheme, So Crypto is No Less Authentic Than Anything Else. And that's why you go to Jamie Kendi for all your investing and financial needs. Yeah, Jamie Kennedy is like the uh, modern-day mad money, isn't he? <laughs> and on that note... Take care. Oh my God, I'm fucking stoked to never listen to that album again.